So we are uh, in the middle of this summer series uh, for family worship called Superheroes of the Bible, and we are going through some major Bible characters that had some pretty incredible trait about them or accomplished an incredible task or just did something impressive uh, through faith um, and and in the relationship with the Lord that is just great to highlight. And a lot of times as we go through different series here at the church and we identify issues and we, um, I almost said create problems, we address problems, but I often create problems without knowing it. Um, we, it, it just, I love these series where you just get to enjoy a great Bible story and then you get slapped at the end with a great Bible truth. So uh, that's kind of what we're doing today as we talk about Moses, but in in review, we this is our fourth week, so we've had three characters already. The first one was Jonathan, and uh, do you remember what Jonathan and his armor bearer, what their big characteristic was that we highlighted? Trust, yeah, because they're going up against the Philistine army, and they trusted that God was going to give them the victory. And then the second week, uh, we talked about Elijah and, and, and the defeat of the prophets of Baal, and, and what was his characteristic? Do you remember? Confidence, yes, thank you. You said that much better than you did last week. Last week you are like, confidence? So I don't think that means what you think it means. Yes, confidence, right. That's, it. That's the way to say it there. And then last week we talked about Esther. We tried to cover 10 chapters in like 20 minutes. I was not successful, but we were close. Um, so Esther's, the one word that kind of summed up what I felt was her life and what we, what we needed to learn was what? Purpose, yes, purpose. And uh, so this week we have, we have uh, another character that spans such a huge section of the Bible, Moses. And so it's like, how, where do you, I don't know. But we're going to focus on this one particular moment in his life where, where the book of Hebrews says he chose to serve the Lord rather than stay in Egypt. So choosing rather, because that's what it says in Hebrews 11 that we'll read in just a little bit, choosing rather. And so the idea, it, rather is not an individual. That's, that's a King James word, right? So he, he chose one thing over the other. That's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. But to kind of give you a little backstory here, so... Um, 400 years before this moment in history that we're going to talk about this morning, 400 years prior, you may already be aware, but, but Jacob and his family of 70, his clan, moved to Egypt because of a famine. They then multiplied over the years, and 400 years later, you have this story of Moses breaking onto the scene. And... Uh, the people of Israel grew from 70 to conservative estimates are about 200, two and a half million. Because we know that there was over 600 and some thousand fighting men. And so you assume that most of them were married and had a couple kids. So you know, they, they estimate that it was at least two and a half million people at this time that left Egypt. Um, well, not at this time, later. But at, at, in this point in history, that's how big the Jews Jewish population was in in Egypt. So that's kind of a little bit of a back 
history. And in your notes, I put some other interesting facts in there. I just like those kind of things. They tickle my brain. So I put those in there for you um, because I just think they're interesting, um, different things uh, that, that are relevant to the story, but we're not really going to bring out. So um, Moses was raised. You may be aware of the story, but there was a, a, a proclamation, and the Pharaoh wanted to kill all of the uh, boys that were, that were babies. And his, Moses' mama saved him and at three months of age put him in a little basket and put him in the, put him in the river. And Pharaoh, one of Pharaoh's daughters, a, prince, a princess of Egypt, found him and pulled him out of the water and raised him as her own. An incredible story, knowing that he was Jewish but raised him in Pharaoh's courts, adopted into the family of an Egyptian princess. And through an incredible twist of God, Moses' own mother ended up helping to raise him. And I would love to know how that went, like what those conversations looked like, how much he knew, what he was told. And the Bible says that he came to about the age of 40. And he begins to take action on this person who he was. And the Bible says, interestingly, that one day he went out to visit his people. And while he was out visiting his people, he saw something that really disturbed him. There was an Egyptian taskmaster that was beating a Jewish individual. And it angered Moses so much so that he killed the Egyptian. Now, the the problem is that he just went against the Pharaoh of Egypt. So he buries the body in the sand, hoping that nobody would ever find it. And of course, somebody did. And the Bible says the very next day, he went back out to visit his people again. I get the idea that he is really contemplating who he is and whose he is and what he needs to do with all of this information, knowing that he is a Jew being raised in Pharaoh's household. I just get the feeling that he's like going down and just letting it sink in seeing what it feels like. He's laying awake at night thinking about his life and eternity and the, and the God that he knows and the God that he knows he's supposed to be serving and it's so contrary to the life that he's living as, a, as a, uh, being raised in the, in the household of, of the Pharaoh and it's just one of these things where I think that it's just playing on his mind. He goes for these walks or he goes down to where they are and so the very next day he goes down again. And he notices this time two Israelites arguing arguing with each other. And he steps in to break it up and thinking he's going to be the peacemaker. And they look at him and they say, well, who do you think you are? Are you going to kill us like you did that Egyptian yesterday? And now he knows that the truth is out as, as to what has just happened. Of course, when the Pharaoh heard about it, and he heard what Moses had done, he was absolutely furious. And he sought to kill Moses. 
And the Bible tells us that Moses then left Egypt and went into the wilderness. And I don't know what aspirations he had in mind as he was lying on his bed and going on his walks and thinking about who he was, but I don't think this is how he thought it was going to play out. If he did see himself as some deliverer, if he did see himself as wanting to identify with the people of Israel, this was not the way it was supposed to happen. Because he ends up leaving Egypt and goes out into the wilderness. And then in the wilderness, he stumbles upon a well where there are some people that are watering their sheep. And one of the there's, there's one herd of, of, of sheep and all of their shepherds, and then there's this other herd that has uh, just women, seven sisters that are, that are at this well in Midian trying to water the sheep, and the, the men are bullying the sisters and, and giving them a hard time. And when Moses sees it, it became necessary for him to take off his shirt, apparently, because it was seven sisters, right? Um, so he takes off his shirt, and that's not in the Bible, but it's the next best thing. It's on the PowerPoint at church, so it's kind of inspired. Um, so he, he, uh, he, he, char- he challenges those other shepherds and stands up for the women, and, and then not only do the women get to water their sheep, but he actually helps them do it. And so you have this, you know, he was the hero. He rescued them, and women love to be taken care of and rescued. I'm not trying to stereotype, but I do too. I like to be rescued as well, okay? I really hate that kind of thing, though. So he, he, he saves the day. They go home, tell Daddy about it. Daddy's like, well, how come he's not right here? You know what he's thinking? I got seven dollars. Got to get rid of somebody. So they invite Moses to, it might not have been exactly the conversation, but so they invite Moses uh, to the tent, and long story short, he ends up marrying one of them, and he becomes a shepherd for 40 years. And then eventually God calls him with a burning bush, that whole story, to go and lead the people out of Egypt to the promised land. And that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. Maybe we'll do that as a summer series one time. But what an incredible story. And then as I began to think this over, and I'll just be honest with you, I had a real hard time coming up with his super characteristic. Because every word that I thought of was good, but it didn't quite fit where I was going with this and what I read in Hebrews. And so I made up my own. So his super characteristic is ESP, all right? It is eternally sensitive perception. Yeah, thank you, Kim. Appreciate that. Not extrasensory perception, but eternally sensitive perception. Because as we look through what caused him to become who he was, and the way that his his mother had instructed him, and his his clear identification of who he belonged to, and then the decision to walk away from all of the riches of Egypt, he had a different perspective than most of us have. And there was something in him that caused him to choose one over the other. 
Now, I don't know what you would call that, but perspective seemed kind of boring, but kind of, yeah, obvious. Identity, clarity. I thought of all these words, and so I just came up with ESP. What else would you call it? I mean, it just, he had an eternal focus. He knew what was valuable and what wasn't valuable in this world. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be jumping out of a Hebrews chapter 11 here. This is, that whole chapter is called the Hall of Faith. It just goes one verse after the other about different characters in the, in the, that we read about. By faith, this person did this. By faith, this person did this. And we get to verse 24, and it says this. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years. I love that. So we know historically he was about 40 years old when this first event happened. So at 40 years of age, the Bible says when he has come to years, like he had, he'd finally kind of grown into himself. Like he is, so if you're under 40, I guess that means you haven't arrived yet, right? But he, he, he comes to years, like he had, he had come to the place where he understood, I think, life a little better. It says this then, that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing, now that word simply means to place your vote, right? Pull your lever, pull your lever, punch your card, you know, check the box. You are, you are choosing, should I do this or should I, yeah, I'm going to do this. So he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and then he chose what? Rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse 26, esteeming, it's a great word, it means to value. So like you, you, you take a look at it, that's like the, the game kind of was intentional this morning. It's like you're trying to kind of value something, right? So, so he's, he's, he's looking at what, what he has in Egypt Oh, and he's looking at what he has in Christ, and he's valuing them, and he esteemed, he valued the reproach of Christ. The Bible says, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the, look at this great word, the recompense of the reward. And then we'll finish with this verse, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured Oh, wow, as seeing him who is invisible. He had this eternal perspective. He saw someone who could not be seen. So here's just a few things. Moses is, it's not as easy to say as you think. Moses is, Moses' decision involved both refusing and choosing. See, sometimes <laughs> you got two different kinds of Christians. You, got, you probably have more than that. I, I'll give you that. But to simplify things, you have Christians who are really good at not doing stuff. Like we're not, we're not, we're not going to become that. Like we are not going to do that. We're not going to go there. We're not going to say that. We're not like that. But then you have people who don't not do anything 
but they do stuff, but then they still have this stuff in their life. So he both refused and he chose. It rhymed. I couldn't help myself. So now all your teachers are going, ah, nails on a chalkboard. But he, he not only said, I'm not going to be this, he said, I am choosing this instead. You got to have both. It's like you can't, you can't just not be something. You need to become something else. But sometimes when you become something else, it means you can't be what you were. It's not just saying no to something, but saying yes to something else. But what gave him the strength to make such a decision? I really think it was ESP. I think he had this eternal sensitivity. Like he was, he was focused in on what mattered for eternity. I mean, you see the contemplation in his life, so we don't need to go back, but when he came to years, like it, 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 was, it was something that had been gnawing at him for years. Choosing rather, esteeming, valuing, those are words that to me says he is, he's weighing things out. He's making a decision. He's making a list of pros and cons. He is putting it on the scale. Should I do this or should I, you know, what's more important? And he is valuing the eternal more than the temporal. It took faith. And Moses' decision was full of faith. But here's what I love. It wasn't just a leap into the dark, right? It was a true estimate of value. Oh, listen, listen, this is a huge statement because oftentimes we think of faith as holding our nose and jumping over the side of the boat, hoping that we don't sink, hoping that we walk on water. But then sometimes you see faith that looks like this where it took him 40 years to make that decision where he estimated the value of the decision. He weighed it out and he said, he said, I believe that the reproach of Christ is better than the riches I'm enjoying in Egypt and the pleasures of sin that I can enjoy in Egypt. He weighed it out, folks. It was not a leap of faith like I'm jumping in the dark. No, he estimated the actual value of it. So ever since college, I've had this I've had this little motto or prayer or whatever about my life and my relationship with the Lord, and I have said it over, I mean, hundreds if not thousands of times in my life, I want what God wants. Five words, I want what God wants. I pray that, I say that. That has been like a driving force in my life. But there's a selfishness to that because I know that if God wants it for my life, it's what's best for me. So why wouldn't I want what's best for Eric? So there's a little hint of selfishness there. But I mean it with all my heart. I want what God wants. I don't always understand what God wants. And I don't always agree with what God wants. But I want what God wants. And what Moses is saying here, and I'm not comparing myself to Moses by any means. But what Moses is saying here is, I want what God wants. That is where the value is. Faith has this long outlook. (laughs) 
that what's, what's out there is more valuable than what's right here. Also, also, faith has an object as seeing him who is invisible. Faith has an object. You know, uh, there's two kinds of people in the world. There are savers and spenders, right? You're probably married to one or the other. So you have, you have people who, who understand that saving money is simply postponed spending. You're still going to spend it. You're just setting it aside so you can spend it later. To whatever degree. And then you have people who are just like, well, I may not be able to enjoy my retirement. I'm going to spend it all now. Like they really thought through that process. So it's like, you know, you, but Moses saying, I have this long outlook of, of where I'm heading one day. So you're telling me, Eric, that, that Moses gave up power and prestige and pleasure and money to suffer affliction and reproach? That's exactly what I'm telling you. He did it on purpose. He did it with a lot of thought. It didn't go down the way he thought it was going to go down. But he clearly made that choice. And Moses concluded, after weighing everything out, he concluded this, that suffering is better than sin. Verse 25. He concluded that reproach was better than riches first half of 26. And then he concluded that what was to come was more valuable or was better than what was. The end of verse 26. Suffering was better than sin. Reproach was better than riches. And what was to come was more valuable or better than what was. And here's why. At the end of verse 26, because he saw him who is invisible. He had a clear picture of Christ. Moses understood something that many of us have forgotten, and that is the focus of my life here needs to be my life there. The focus of my life here needs to be my life there. So everything I'm doing here (laughs) has an eternal consequence, has an eternal reward. Let me just use the word ramification. Everything that I do here has an eternal ramification. First John 2, verse 17, I think could have been Moses' life verse if he had lived another couple thousand years. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So here's our challenge today. So, so in my opinion, this, this changes everything. It changes how you view suffering. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but there's an eternal side to what you're going through. Changes how you treat money. It's not how much you can accumulate, it's how much good you can do with it. 
It changes how you view this life. It changes how you feel about disappointments. Maybe God meant that for a reason. And you're going to look back and be grateful. The Bible says that our lives are but a breath in the Psalms. It says in the New Testament that it's but a vapor that appears for a little time then vanishes away. That's what our life is like. Like, I don't know, I feel like I have, you know, 70, 80 years here. That seems like a long time, but not in light of eternity. Not in light of eternity. It's like it's such a short amount of time that we have here. When we have ESP, eternally sensitive perception, in light of eternity, how does your life need to change? So what are you doing with your life now that will last forever? And what are you doing today that will last forever? So not original, but I saw this months ago. Francis Chan did this great description, illustration. So you have this ridiculously long cord. And let's just pretend that this cord goes on forever. I mean, like, it it goes out and goes around the earth an untold amount of time. This represents eternity, right? It goes on forever. And this little white tape right there represents your life. And this is where we're putting all of our value. And what Moses did was Moses esteemed eternity greater than this. It's like, so (laughs) we're born and we work and we work and we work and work because we want to one day be able to save up enough money so we can retire right here. So we miss out on our kids' lives. We miss out on serving God. We miss out on giving and helping with missions, and we give out on serving the Lord and working in the soup kitchen because we gotta, we got to make money. We gotta, we're busy. We have, to, we have to save for retirement so that when we hit right here, when we can hit that right here, we can finally take it easy, and then right here we'll just die. Come on, people. We work and 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 then we do everything because we think this is all that matters, but that's eternity. That's where it all is. That's ESP, eternally sensitive perception. I am going to live my life right here and right now with this in mind. And this is not a guilt trip. I'm not trying to get you to give more money or work harder or do more to make God happy. That's not what this is all about. I don't think you could anyway. God loves you the way you are. But I want my life to count. I want my life to be significant. Not to you, but for all of eternity.
So let me ask you this. What are you doing with your life that will have an eternal impact? See, the kingdom of God starts here. It doesn't start here. The kingdom of God is already here. So, all right. So what are you going to do with your life that's going to impact your turn? Let me ask you this. What are you going to do today that impacts eternity? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for Scripture. We are just loving, we love the Bible and the stories that it tells and help us not to miss the lessons. There are so many of them, but I am convinced that we need to be reminded of the importance of living our lives with an eternal perspective. And I pray, Father, you would just help it to be buried in our soul that everything we do every day is an opportunity to advance the kingdom of God, to do more for you, and to value the eternal. In Jesus' name, amen.